Well, Andy, thank you very much for joining us on the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you? I'm very good, and thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. So together with Beth, you um, operate a company called Mind Fitness, uh, which, which works with organizations delivering training in cognitive behavioral therapy uh, and mindfulness. Um, and I'd be really interested to understand uh, how that came about um, and you, a bit of background on you and Beth and, and, and how you really came to, to where you are now. Sure. So, yeah, so absolutely. So, so we, we, we've incorporated elements of cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness and an element of creative learning as well. So Beth and I both have a background in the performing arts. I, I, I wasn't a performer. I was a stage manager. Beth um, is a, an actor and uh, she's a director and she's also um, a playwright and author. And her specialization is mind mindfulness. So she's a, a mindfulness pr practitioner. My background more recently was in corporate land. So um, I left the theater many years ago, primarily because I enjoyed eating. And, and so, you know, you it's very difficult to uh, combine young families and, and, you know, working in the theater. So I, I got out very lucky to have a transition through um, the um, the music industry into the video games industry and you know be part of the sort of ascendancy of popular gaming you know interactive entertainment and it was whilst I was um, working in that industry that uh, and I, I was very lucky I had teams of people that um, that worked with me <clears throat> and a lot of my team were regularly put under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure within the job. And some people were brilliant and thrived on the pressure and loved it and, you know, soak it up, give me more, I'm loving this, could, could deal with it, whilst many other people, you know, crumbled, you know, just couldn't deal with it. And I wanted to find a way of supporting them to give them, you know, kind of resilience tools to help them because they liked the job. It's just that they couldn't deal with the pockets of pressure. And I discovered um, uh, through a friend of mine who's a psychotherapist, um, something called rational emotive behavioral therapy, uh, which is a form of CBT. And, and, and I sort of became a fascination. I, I, I read about it, um, became absolutely um, convinced that you know that we should all learn this. This should be taught in schools. We we would simply not have the mental health challenges we have if everybody had access to those skills. And from that, you know, I started training as a coach, and this was a number of years ago, um, and and uh, coaching around REBT, rational emotive behavioral therapy. So it's it's a form of coaching called cognitive coaching. Mm -hmm. And so I use the platform, not, not as therapy, so we're not trying to cure people or, you know, we're not trying to, you know, we're not therapists, uh, we're not clinicians. Mm -hmm. It's about performance uh, and, it's, and it's about helping people to be a, 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 more, um, a, a more functioning uh, form of themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, in that sort of way so it's about it's giving people the ability to increase their performance and, and to maximize their potential really 
and, and we can all do that. Everybody has, you know, a greater potential. <clears throat> and so I, that's where this started. So I, you know, I, I developed my coaching um, within, within the organisation that I worked for. And then I went out on my own as a coach and, and I met Beth, but quite by chance. Um, and we got into the conversation about um, a, a creative learning and we got into the conversation about mindfulness and I was fascinated by mindfulness. And I, and so she very kindly said, well, I'll, 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 I'll help you to understand more about mindfulness. And, um, and so I, <laughs> I got a job um, to deliver resilience training because I was starting to do that teaching resilience, stress management, etc., as part of my coaching. So I do one-to-one -one coaching and group coaching. And, uh, and I got a client who said, we'd love to do this, but what we want is something quite left field. We want it to be quite, you know, you know, mad and interesting and creative. And I, and I sort of thought, ah, <laughs> so I phoned Beth and said, look, could you help me with this? And we, so we did a workshop. We did a half day workshop um, that, that was a, an amalgamation of, of all the stuff that I'd been doing the stuff that Beth does, um, the, the mindfulness, etc. But within a creative way, Beth designed some fantastic exercises, you know, and, and began the sort of process of you learn it and then you apply it and you do it in a fun way, an accessible way. And it was, it was fantastic. You know, we got brilliant response. I was slightly dubious because I was in a corporate environment where I thought everybody's going to be very stuffy and they just embraced it. And Beth said, trust me, they're going to love this. And that was really the beginning of, of, of mind fitness. You know, we realized that we got something where as a coach on a one-to-one -one basis, my job as a coach is to teach people these skills to allow them to become their own coach. And I could do that over a period of time working with an individual mm -hmm. to the point where they go, I completely get this. And now I'm able to, I don't need you anymore. And that's, that's my job to render myself redundant, basically. Is that the cognitive behavioral part yes. and the side of things is it's is the cbt self side self-reprogramming it's so the basis of it is it's time limited so it, it's it's results focused it's goal-based it it doesn't tend to go looking into the past it's about now and the future and 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 there's a it's a limit in terms of you don't do this for like four or five years Mm -hmm. I might work with a client for six weeks, you know, one, one hour session a week. And, uh, and, th and this is why, you know, CBT is offered on the national health, but for six weeks, right. because, because the, the, the premise is that you teach that person to be, to become their own therapist, to become their own coach. And it's very, you know, so it's very powerful. It, 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 it's, it's, it's skills based. So you learn the skills to do it and then, and then you're, you, you, you're able to kind of coach yourself. And so the, the, the unknown bit was for us, how you then put that into a, a kind of group environment. And so we experimented, we ran workshops, um, uh, mostly in the performing arts within drama schools and what have you, and got great results all the time. Feedback, you know, deliver it feedback deliver it feedback tweak keep tweaking that bit works that doesn't how do we develop that and and slowly over time we've developed um a program 
and so the program is is really around um, changing the you know, the belief system, the unhelpful belief systems that people hold, uh, and the, and to understand the process that you go through to do that, which starts as being quite a sort of ponderous, you know, plot it through process, but which in the end you just do as a thought process. It just goes like that, and the mindfulness is all about placing yourself in the right place to be receptive to do that but also the mindfulness is around giving giving yourself the ability to 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 get yourself out of these spiraling negative thought patterns because it's about being in the moment we very very rarely spend time truly in the moment so this is this is how it's uh, this is how it's evolved and you know we've had some good fortune you know, we had somebody um from our publishers just quite quite a chance come to one of our workshops and afterwards she said can we have a chat and you know i think you have a book here have you ever thought about writing a book and so we said well yeah thank you yeah, and that's yeah. how unlock you was born yeah. and um and so that's been a massive thing and, and really you know um david what what this is about my starting point was wanting to help people mm-hmm. to get out of their own way and 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 that's really what we're all about so you know obviously it's a business and we run it as a business and you know but but at the end of it we want to find as many ways as possible to help people to develop these thinking skills that mean you know you don't necessarily have to worry yourself crazy you know you don't have to be the person who has the 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 down looking future view you don't have to be the person you know who sees the bad in everything or you don't have to be the person who's you know not feeling very happy you can you can feel that little bit happier um and it's different for everyone so that that was the start of it that's the story that's kind of where we are now and and what our lives are all about really is is trying to scale it so we can get to as many people as possible so unlock you is a way we're doing that we're just about to launch next week a free app um, called tembo um, and and that's to help people through this current horrendous situation um, and and so that's another way of, of getting out there we've got a lot of people we're involved with who equally have this passion to share this information um, and so you know we, we've just got this wonderful sort of group of people who work tirelessly to sort of get it out there and and bring as many people into the fold as possible and that's kind of bring us up to where we are today wow it's i think it's fascinating um and you know subject that i'm hugely interested in i've always been hugely interested in human behavior and understanding that and i've kind of tried to unravel how people think and how i think myself so this kind of thing is is fascinating and you know the book again just for anybody who uh, <laughs> has missed it already um i think it is designed to i think as it says in inside the book get you out of your own way yeah uh, and i think one thing i've definitely spotted with watching certain behavior in various different areas is is those repetitive uh, thought processes or behaviors or responses that seem to keep people wherever they are um you know you, I, I see 
quite a lot on um, when you watch documentaries and those kind of things where particularly uh, involving police and crime and those kind of things you tend to see a very loud violent response from the people on who are being arrested and quite consistently and there's a clear behavior cycle um, and I think something like this kind of behave this uh, CBT and the mindfulness side of things that, that could help break that trigger response uh, cycle it could be hugely powerful and this you know the same is true for anyone sat at home now stuck not being able to get out right it's kind of like, yeah it's cyclical thoughts uh, can totally so so you know the premise of this is is around sort of this this notion of rumination the, we drive we can drive ourselves you know crazy with the, our thoughts and our thoughts we think of as true their reality so so you know you could be thinking about all the times you've let yourself down on other people and beat yourself up over it and if only i'd done this or hadn't said that or if only I, you know and then comes the spiraling self-damning you know you're a fool you're an idiot you're not smart enough you're not good looking enough you're you're useless mm -hmm. you know and and this you know we can be far harsher to ourselves than we would dream of ever being with anyone else you know and and on the other end of it is the the, the, the forward projection the worrying about the future and obviously at the moment there's going to be a lot of that going on what does my future look like what does the future hold for most of us we don't know it's not a known quantity but what we do is we manufacture the movies in our head to say, well, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, um, this is going to happen. And so that, that becomes the reality. And that's the thing we cling on to then to worry us. I, I work with a really fascinating guy. I do a lot of um, training around mental health first aid. Uh, I'm an instructor for mental health first aid England, uh, you know, with one of the hats within my business. And I worked with an amazing guy who's also an instructor and he had a, he had a terrible breakdown some years ago and, um, and his thought process, he, he thought that his job was at risk. And so he, he basically concocted a story in his mind whereby the, the, the loss of the job would mean the loss of his home, then the loss of his family and poignantly he talks about it he saw his demise as as dying on a park bench so he calls it park bench death so his lowest point was him dying alone on a park bench and this emanated from um that the chance of a threat of redundancy so you know and he, he illustrates it beautifully this this spiral in the descent into this dark place that that uh, you know that meant he was severely depressed and from that psychosis kicked in and so he he had psychotic episodes he thought he was going to be verbal so the point being that if what he says today is if he had the skills he's now learned through cbt that would never have happened to him he's absolutely convinced i think it's fascinating that he became very very ill he was a very very ill man and and it, it was preventable if he were to have had the skills that ultimately by you know going to um some very eminent um psychotherapists mm -hmm. they taught him those skills and now he's well so you know 
this this thing we've got in our heads we regard our thoughts as real and they're then they're, they're not i mean they, they can be but they're most often not they're just our concocted movies yeah and they, and something i've always found quite interesting is you know the the autonomic the autonomic response the body doesn't actually know the difference between an imagined thing and a real thing mm. so you can literally make yourself ill you know you can the dying of a broken heart is a true thing you know you can mm. actually effectively commit suicide through thought thoughts are very very powerful and i think if you we're not given the tools at school which we should be i think to be able to manage our emotions and our and our thoughts i think we'd be a much happier society um and a a, a more probably a more friendly one if um yeah those skills because we'd probably be more trusting for a start i think um but one question i have so i'm not an expert on how cbt works is there a way you could describe some of the methods in which you kind of interrupt those thought those cyclical thought processes so the, the central plank of this version of cbt called rational emotive behavioral therapy which was developed in the 1950s and 1960s by um, a doctor called Albert Ellis in America. And it's now the recognized, uh, one of the most recognized talking therapies in the world. So he developed this ABC model um, that is used to develop the ability to recognize the unhealthy and unhelpful thoughts that we have, our beliefs, and reframe those beliefs into more helpful beliefs, which in turn reframes the un unhealthy negative emotions that we have, anger, uh, jealousy, you know, envy, uh, depression, etc., into what he terms as healthy negative emotions. So what, what is good about it, it doesn't try and get rid of your emotions. That's what you just, don't want is to sort of go you know it's la la land this is not about it what rebt is about is facing the adversity uh, it's about understanding exactly where you are it's in, in a rational way mm -hmm. so by using this abc system so the a stands for the adversity or activating events so the thing that happens the belief the b is the belief that you hold about that adversity and the c is the consequence of that belief and the consequence could be an emotional reaction a, a, a physical reaction or, or a physiological it could be you know the, the way you feel the way you behave and the way you you, you know you, you think through an emotion and and so by giving people the tools so the abc model allows you to examine the beliefs that you hold to recognize when beliefs aren't working for you. So for example, demand-based beliefs, I must, I should, I have to, are the sort of beliefs that trip us up. You must, we must, we all must. So, so these are the, the rules that, are, that we have about ourselves, others, and the universe, that this must happen. You know, I must not be locked down. It is, and then there are other awfulizing. So it'd be awful if this happened. Um, you know, and I can't stand it. I can't stand these thoughts. So these are all extreme, um, rigid 
dogmatic based beliefs. So what Ellis says, Elysian theory, is that you turn that into, uh, in, into preference based beliefs. So although, although, you know, this is where I am, I, you know, I would prefer that I wasn't locked down. I accept that that's where we are. And acceptance isn't approval, by the way. Acceptance is just going, this is where we are. I accept that we are locked down and I'm going to have to learn to make the best of it. And that's a very simplistic view of it. So it's changing these dogmatic must, should, have to, awful, you know, can't stand it based beliefs into more mild preferences. And from that, these extreme emotions are reframed into much more benign emotions. So, for example, there's this weird thing of, of, of um, unhealthy anger, which is formed around aggression. That turns into healthy anger, which is about assertion, standing up for yourself, but in a calm and measured way. So it's all about, as well, not allowing the amygdala in your brain to kick in the fight and flight. So there's a lot around that, you know, to, to your point, David, that the brain cannot distinguish between real and imagined. So we react in a way that our thoughts tell us to react. So if we think that somebody has slighted us, we behave angrily. And of course, nothing is ever assaulted uh, in anger but it can be an assertion you know so so that's the basis of it um it, it's a that's a very potted view of it but the central plank as i say is the abc and there's a process around it called disputing where you examine those beliefs how does it help you uh, and there's a there's a question you ask yourself would you teach that belief to someone else if you have children would you teach that belief to someone else you know, and that's normally the moment you go, you know, hell no. So why carry it yourself? It's the, it's a very powerful question, but that one you have to ask yourself. So it gives you the ability to almost, you know, in a, in a spiritual terms, they talk about detaching from, <clears throat> you know, you're not the body or the mind kind of thing. And it's giving you the skills to automate, to almost be able to see yourself from a third person kind of perspective, I guess, and watch your thought processes. Is that, is that what's kind of happening? Well, yeah, so it's, it's about, it's a lot of it is about self-awareness. Mm. It's a lot of it is about self-compassion, being kind to yourself. And it's about developing a more flexible view of yourself and others and, and the world, really. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be, it can help trivial things. You know, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I've had a lifelong fear of wasps and, you know, and I've had it since I was a child. And, and that's the point that a lot of the beliefs that we hold were embedded when we were children and we still carry them around. So here I am in, you know, uh, many, many years later, you know, faffing around in the garden, you know, wasps, I'm running around, people are going, sit down, for goodness sake, it's a wasp. But to me, that wasp is threat. It's, you know, my brain basically kicks in the fight and flight mechanism. And I have very little control over the fact that I have to get up and run away. And so I've trained myself to, to deal with it. Mm -hmm. and, and so now, so I must not get stung by a wasp is the belief that I held. It would be awful. I couldn't stand getting stung by a wasp. 
Now, what I do know is, because I have been stung by a wasp when I was a child, that I don't have any allergies to wasps things. So I, I, you know, I don't risk an, an aphylactic shock or anything like that. So it's purely irrational. It's an irrational fear. So I now have a belief, which is I would prefer not to get stung by a wasp, but I accept that if I do, it will be momentary discomfort and life will move on. And acceptance isn't approval. I won't approve of getting stung. Don't, I don't want to. But I accept that it's going. So, so over time, and, and by practicing, and, and this is the big part of this that I haven't talked about, which is neuroplasticity. I'm making new neural pathways. So every time I practice that in the summer when a wasp comes up, I practice my new belief, which is I prefer, and the wasp is there, and my, you know, every sinew in my body is going, run, you fool, it's a wasp. <laughs> and I'm going... I would prefer not to get stung by a wasp. <laughs> and slowly over time, I've developed a new neural pathway, which is my preference-based pathway. And my demand-based pathway is, 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 is lessening and reducing. The point is that if I ever let myself go back to that old neural pathway, it would grow again. So everything about this is based on, on uh, evidenced by neuroscience. So what we know now is that you know, um, you know, in terms of mindfulness, all of that can be fully evidenced now by you know modern neuroscience. You know, all those clever people like um, Albert Ellis and and uh, you know the, the actually going back to the philosophers who started this, they were onto something because now we know through MRI scans exactly what's going on in the brain to create those new neural pathways. Um, neuroplasticity is probably something that was discovered 20 years ago it's very modern but now we know why so there, there is a there is a rational reason why you can change the way you think to to to, to something that's much more helpful that serves your purpose that serves your life better and we can all do it no, no I, you know i'm saying most people have the ability to do it just takes it's it's repetition i suppose yeah it's practice you have to and and that's the point that when you know i another example when i was training the professor i trained under um i, I confided in him that i had a, an aversion to queuing you know so it was stupid ridiculous i mean so i'd take the kids to disneyland 45 minute queuing i'd be driving myself mad to go on a sort of five minute or three minute ride it was my idea of hell. You know, I'm the guy who turns up at a petrol station, you know, on the light flashing, and there are two cars in front of the pub, and I go, oh, I can't possibly, you know, off I go up the road. You know, nonsense, absolutely rational nonsense. And so he said, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get go shopping, take a basket, put one item in the shopping basket, and go in the longest queue. And when you get to the till, I want you to leave that queue and then get in the next longest queue and do that for three hours, which I did. And, um, and so in the end, you know, with the new beliefs, which I prefer not to queue, but I accept, you know, that uh, sometimes you have to. I've got over it, I'm fine, I can queue now, you know. So it's not necessarily the big things, you know, but it, whatever is irrational. And the other thing is, you know, what is irrational? I've, I've had conversations with people who said, I'm afraid of flying. To me, it's absolutely rational because the plane could crash. You know, it's very difficult when somebody says, well, to me, that makes perfect sense. So that's another, you know, conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there are definitely 
I guess to everybody, their their fear is is rational to some degree, yeah. unless they're helped to see it in a different way. But that's the point. That that's the difficulty because if you've had a belief that is your truth, mm. and you've had that from childhood, you will you will you know protect that belief, even though you know that it doesn't actually you know help you. It's your truth. It's your. It's the laws of your universe, yeah. and so you protect it. Um, and so the you know the first thing that has to happen is that somebody has to want to change. And and if so, if I'm coaching someone, uh, uh, you know, and it could be I don't know, I'm coaching somebody. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of an issue, but you know, if somebody turned up and said, "Well, I'm here because my wife wants me to come." Because, you know, it's pointless because that person isn't committed to doing it. They're doing it, you know, to keep peace, peace in the home. You've got to want to change. Um, and so obviously, you know, from a therapeutic sense, therapists can use this, you know, very powerfully for addiction and, you know, um, you know people, you know, ex extreme chronic anxiety, you know, um, mental health based issues and coaches can use this for performance-based issues and you know just generally helping people to do it's getting people out of their own way we stick we stand in our own way um, and we just accept it you know i have i coach people and i train people they go well i'm a warrior you know i've always been a warrior my mother was a warrior you know and, uh, and that's who i am warriors <laughs> yeah. you know is that do you want to be a warrior well i prefer not to be you know so we don't have to be the version of ourselves that we think we are just because, you know, we, we feel we've sort of inherited a trait or, or whatever, we, you know, it's, it's, we can be really a, a, a different version of ourselves, a more helpful version of ourselves. There was a good line I heard from uh, the philosopher, philosopher, Alan Watts, I don't know if you're familiar with any of his stuff. And he had a line that says the wake doesn't drive the ship. And yes, which is, which is a great reminder whenever you feel like whatever you're doing is being dictated to by a memory or something that has happened to you, good or bad, that you're doing, if you realize you're doing it because of a past event, it's a good reminder to, to realize that actually it has no bearing on this current moment or the moments that are going to follow it. And I've used that over and over again. That that one line is the wave doesn't uh, the wake doesn't drive the ship because I think it's quite powerful to have that yeah. vision. And, and I suppose what it also says is that we 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 have we have the ability to to control that part of us which you know we think we're sort of blown along by the wind off of you know that who we are. I think so. I think that you know the notion of being able to take more control and be the version. Of yourself that you'd more like to be i wish i didn't worry as much i wish i didn't rise to temper so quickly um you know i wish i felt more and this goes into you know social awkwardness and you know i wish i didn't feel so shy in front of groups of people and you know it could be you know one of the biggest things in coaching in businesses is um um people doing presentations and things you know, it's a massive thing uh, and I completely get it you know it, it terrifies people so many people and the people you least imagine it 
you know, would be terrified. People who are really bright, smart, you know, very funny, very capable people. You put them up on a, you know, on a stage in front of a lectern and it all turns, you know, Pete Tong. And, and it, that's always interesting, you know, because again, something kicks in there, you know, peer judgment, um, you know, um, all sorts of things are kicking in there. You know, it's, it's mostly about they'll see through me, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to show myself up. So it's it's about protecting yourself from you know the the, um, the 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 possibility of shame and stuff like that. So it's very wide reaching, you know. It, it, the, the, but underpinning all of these things, there will be um, irrational beliefs, and um, and if you can turn those into rational beliefs, mm-hmm. then you you take away the problem. And also bringing them to the surface, I think, to be make them conscious in the first place i think we operate so much on our subconscious mind all of the time which is a series of these pre-programmed often irrational beliefs and very that we're not even aware of the the number of subconscious thoughts that are going on every single day that are driving us down the same patterns that we then beat ourselves up for doing the same things and, and round and round and is that, where the, is that where the mindfulness part of this kind of starts to come in is it is that yeah break from that living it, in the past living in the future and coming now and having a greater awareness of how you're thinking and feeling yeah it's um, it's interesting as a uh, science tells us the varying um estimates of anything from sort of sixty thousand thoughts a day to a to 120 000 thoughts a day so our, our brains are constantly firing um of course and that's our consciousness or, and also our subconsciousness as well. But, um, and so much of that is often negative. It's, it's not all around positive thought. It's about sort of very, very, you know, not dark, but just not helpful thinking. So, so mindfulness, you know, if you, if you stop and think of how much time we actually spend in the moment um, thinking about the, the here and now, and not being down here, you know, in the past or, or you know, predicting futures or, or, and even if we're not worrying about things, we're, we're forward planning, which can be good. I mean, it's, I'm not, not saying it's a bad thing if it's planning, but if it's worrying, that's not great. And mindfulness anchors us to the, to the present moment. And it's really difficult to do. Uh, in in terms of practicing it because your brain will naturally start to wander so you know we use exercises um of um you know just anchoring on your breath you know being aware of your breathing um and suddenly your brain's going oh yeah i've got to go and do the shop tesco's opens at eight does it oh dear you know then you go oh no bring it back breathing so what's on the movies? Netflix. And what was I watching? You know, and off we go again. And with practice, you can learn to spend more time in the present moment. But it's very difficult to. There are masters, obviously, of mindfulness that you know. It's very you know spiritual masters of mindfulness who who are you know have incredible powers. But actually, for most of us it just helps almost instantly. And, and so for example, um, when the fight and flight um, 
response kicks in uh, you know you've got you've got instant release of chemicals chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline and it's the adrenaline makes us run faster and you know and leap over hedges in times of danger but what's amazing about mindfulness that just by practicing a simple mindfulness exercise you know when that fight and flight um, has been kicked in is that the cortisol levels drop away so quickly when you when you have the ability to just concentrate on the here and now it's extraordinary so and now of course again neuroscience gives us the ability science scientists the ability to monitor this so they can see exactly what's going on in the brain and 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 you know the levels of of, of firing and, and what have you so what we know now is that you know this ancient practice that the buddhists gave us um you know it's absolutely anchored in science it, it absolutely works and you know there are very simple like in the book we've got some very simple exercises there's one i give people who um have um uh ha have anxiety around public speaking and and the worst moment for a lot of people is just the moment where they go and here's david now with the, you know next year's quarterly review you know and that's the moment where it all goes pete tong so i give them a very simple exercise called um you know now which is you know um notice something in the room it could be anything observe and really look at it and wonder well how, how did that get made who designed it you know it's a that is amazing and in that moment you're just concentrating on that everything is going back to a, a steadier state and it's a very quick way to get yourself back into you know out of the fight and flight because the moment you're in the fight and flight the thought process are not going to the, the prefrontal cortex your thinking brain it's, it all goes, that's why you can't think what you're going to say and you're panicking and everything else. So it just allows people to gain, regain control. Very, very simple exercise. Everyone, anyone really can do that almost in, a, in an instant and get better at doing that. So this stuff works, you know, and science tells us it works. And if everybody had these skills, oh, you know, how, how much better will we be, you know? Definitely, I kind of started meditating about 12 almost 12 months of the day most mornings and <clears throat> the difference that it makes is is unbelievable like you say very difficult to keep centered on not very much <laughs> because the brain does wander around with with all sorts of stuff and you have to keep bringing it back but i think what it gives you then is the skills not just during that 20 minutes or whatever in the morning it's at other points during the day it's the, it, the separation that i think that I, that I find it provides you know that you're able to observe a bit better things that are happening um rather than it being coming at you and, and happening to you you're able to to see events i feel and and make a better choice of of your response in that time yeah i think it's, it, it improves that that level of focus so I think it does quite a lot of things, you know, I think it helps us to communicate better, to be more present, um, active listening. So, you know, again, when somebody's talking, you, you know, don't you, when you're talking to somebody and they're, they're not listening, you know, yeah, yeah. And even if they're not doing that, 
if the, the eyes don't lie, you know, they're, they're not, they're not present. They're not listening. And if you said, just repeat what I just said, they go, Oh, no, I heard it. it, it you said something like, will you, you know, and, and again, many of us are guilty of that, you know, um, but I think things, you know, doing, doing mindfulness and having that, that, um, that discipline um, and just, because it is a lovely way to start the day. I mean, I, I think it's a great way to set off on your, on your day mm-hmm. with just having had that focus. I think it, it, it's energizing and it puts you in the right frame of mind and the right, you know, the right, um, the right attitude almost. Um, but it's really odd, you know, because mindfulness is still rather sniffly kind of, um regarded by you know by a, a lot of um cor- corporate life it's changing but you have to be very careful the way you you position it because otherwise it's all oh it's a bit tree huggy isn't it and isn't it a bit you know it's all a bit you know uh, and of course you know if people could embrace it as a scientifically validated tool to be, be to, to increase your performance that's the that's the that's the premise isn't it but if, if it's seen as being a sort of flaky you know it's all sitting around you know ringing bells and all this sort of stuff um you know it's a shame because i think people miss out because the 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 impression is it's all well i don't it's not probably not for me which is a shame it is a shame. i think it's um incredibly powerful everything everything happens in in inside here right the whole my whole universe effectively sits in inside my own head mm. and so how i think about everything that all of the senses that come towards me are completely dictating my experience you know you and i can walk through the same journey or wake up on the same day and have a completely different experience of the same uh, stimulus that's coming towards us right and the, the great example i've used with lots of people is some people will look out the window and say oh it's raining and there'll be a farmer who looks out the window and says yes it's raining you know yeah absolutely uh it's just on entirely down to your own filter that you're putting onto things as to how you then react and feel and you know the skills in in something like this is exactly what people need and i think the fact that it's you know short little small um exercises you know 10 minutes a day it's I think it's manageable for people to be able to work with by themselves and, and get the get the benefits from doing this kind of thing. Yeah, and, and you know the, the reality is that you know that there are people who will go off to uh, some sort of retreat uh, for you know silent retreat for a week or something, and and that, I think they're brilliant. Most people are never going to do that, um, but if you can give people um, easy access to that knowledge. Uh, in in manageable chunks and not um, that doesn't assist them having to overcommit themselves. So, for example, people say, "Well, oh, I haven't got time for that." You know, you think, "Well, do you brush your teeth twice a day?" Because most people do. You know, maybe a couple of minutes. To, well, that's four minutes a day that you brush your teeth. I bet you do that every day, but you haven't got time to you know do five minutes of of mindfulness. You know. Um, so I think it's about how you choose to allocate your time and and what what you regard as important. Um, and it's interesting when you're just saying, David, about um, 
you know, when we're trying to explain the belief systems that people have, um, Ellis, um, there's a there's an exercise called the hundred person rule, and it and it and it's a brilliant way of illustrating how everybody has their own belief system. If you put a hundred people in the room who'd just been divorced, would they all be thinking and behaving in the same way? And of course, the answer is no. So you know, you'd have different view from everyone in the room and some people will be jumping up and down and going yes you know never never like the git anyway and then you'd have other people you know bereft and i'll never find love again and, and shades in between all that and um and we also give an example years ago i was working for a company that um, announced a very sizable um downsizing operations so there was going to be redundancies 10 percent of the workforce was going to be made redundant and we we're all called into the canteen and uh, a very sort of grave uh, speech from the, the president of the company and I, i'll never forget it because no one at that point knew whether their job was safe uh, you know at risk or, or safe yet the different reactions throughout the room were some people were there were people sobbing I'm going to be able to pay the mortgage and you know people starting to go down the park bench death route and other people going brilliant you know pay off <laughs> new job <laughs> you know, go traveling you know that's it you know you're right in here is our universe our world and that's our truth and and I think that's why you know that's where intolerance comes in because we assume that everybody will think the same way as we do and we're aghast when people don't and we put great store on the values that we hold, you know, integrity, honesty, um, you know, politeness, whatever that is, mm -hmm. um, you know, etiquette are all parts of this that we hold dearly. I do, you know, we all do, we all have our value set and we're shocked when people don't, you know, don't, uh, you know, apply it. How dare you yeah. not apply my value set? And so we get angry with those people, but we can't control those people. We have no control over that. So why bother to get angry about it? You know, which doesn't mean you let the world go to hell in a handcart, but choose your battles. Yeah, and I think I think it might be um, Steve Peters who talked about a bit about that in the Chimp Paradox as well. Around you are you end up upset and angry because things haven't turned out the way you expected them to there's no reason why they should have gone that way other than you drew a picture in your head of the expectation of how a particular event was going to happen and somebody else had their own and it went the other way <laughs> you yeah know, and you end up torturing yourself over yeah. something because you've you've said that that is the truth that is the truth i think i think um within rebt um, which is based, of course, on, on rational thought. So why do things happen? And, and you know, so the, the people who say it's, it's unfair that this has happened. Why has this happened to me? It's, it's awful that this has happened to me. Why is it always me? It's you, because at that point, all the conditions were in place to make it happen. That's it. It's not you. The conditions, the conditions were in place to make it happen. That's just logic. It's, it's rational. That's it. Yeah. And and the moment you realise that that it, it 
it might feel unfair, but the conditions were in place to make it happen. And here we are, you know, with COVID-19. Why is that? It's unfair and it, because the conditions were in place to make it happen. And we have to live with the situation. We have to get through and out the other side. We would prefer it not to happen, but we accept that the conditions were in place to make it happen. And acceptance isn't approval. No. And on that, on that note, for anybody being currently impacted by this thing, and obviously there's a million ways people are being impacted from yeah. loss of employment to being cooped up indoors with maybe large families, maybe small families, maybe small children, all sorts of, of things. So I think, but I guess one of the, the common uh, feelings around now is, is probably um, a bit of cabin fever starting to creep in. You know, it's been a number of weeks now the first three weeks have gone by we've, we've got another three coming and are there any kind of tips that you can give to people who are starting to feel maybe a bit anxious about being cooped up for for a long period of time is there any little things that people can consciously think of that might help <clears throat> um, break that cycle and stop it becoming you know almost claustrophobia in a way well, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a difficult one because everybody's got their own, you know, conditions. And for some people, it's, you know, it can be utterly horrendous. And we know that, you know, um, uh, you know domestic abuse figures are going through the roof at the moment. So, you know, I, I'm not going to put sort of a, a light um, aspect to this at all. But uh, so I'm talking, I suppose, about the you know, beginning of cabin fever. So I've spoke to so many people since this started and um so the people for example working from home you know there are some pressures around that there are people who are you know furloughed and, and not working and so i think a big thing is about um giving yourself some some structure mm -hmm. um you know having a purpose purpose and meaning are so intrinsically linked to you know how we feel about ourselves and the world around us you know um that you know that within stress there you know, the stress curve is such that you know stress is actually good for us we need it and to be on the stress curve at the top of the curve is that's where the best performance is where you know there's a bit of um, pressure we perform well under pressure if you tip over that's where you get ill with stress that's chronic stress but the other way, so this is burnout, and we're all aware of burnout. It happens to a lot of executives, executive burnout, overwork, overpressure, you know, too much. This way is what, what's called rust out. People aren't, you know, engaged. The, the, the meaning is gone, the purpose. So it can happen to a lot of people in retirement. You know, they think, see retirement as kind of brilliant, be on holiday forever, and, you know, give it four weeks, and, you know, it's like, you know, don't know what to do. And, and we're in a kind of enforced retirement here. So it's, it's about having purpose and, you know, getting some purpose and meaning back into your life. Have a plan, have some goals that you'd like to, you know, things you'd like to achieve. Make a list of, of what you'd like to do. Don't make the list too long because if you don't get through the list, it's demotivating. So have the list as a manageable thing. Structure the day, have a bit of a plan, do a schedule and and try and stick to the schedule 
but build into the schedule lots of nice little moments, breaks, little rewards for getting stuff done. You know, it could be a cup of tea and a bicky, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat, that's a little reward. And then, you know, and then a nice leisurely evening if that's what you enjoy. So I think it's about creating structure. Be kind to yourself. That's so important. Um, be, be aware of those self, um, you know, self-deprecating, self you know, you're useless, you should be better. Um, and I think something really important <coughs> is um, instead of looking at what you've lost or haven't got, look at what you've got. Um, so it's a, it's a bit about gratitude. Be grateful for what we have got. And, and a really good um, thing that I think works very well is either have, have a bit of paper and just write all the things that you are grateful for and, you know, keep writing, keep going, because you'll get to the oxygen, um, you know, food. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's a great sort of leveller to start to say, actually, for most of us, we've got far more positive than we have negative. And I suppose the final part of it is this will pass. This, this is not this is not forever, this will pass. And so, you know what, we can stand it. And it isn't, for most of us, it isn't awful. It's not very nice, it's not very pleasant, but for most of us, it's, it's, a, it's you know, it's an inconvenience for, for many of us that we do have worries, there are job worries, there are business worries, you know, we absolutely accept that. But, you know, it's about not torturing ourselves with views of the future, that will that will put us into that spiral down to park bench death fight that really good advice. just going to jump in i think um this personally this has been the corona the lockdown has been uh, really beneficial to to my train of thought because just about everything that i had planned for the year has been taken away um, and it started early on. I was supposed to go to uh, Las Vegas with work in March. Never been to Vegas in my life. I was getting to go on a work trip. Couldn't wait to go. Got cancelled. And my initial reaction was that of frustration and um, it's not fair. And then you kind of have to, the more serious it got and the more totally out of our control it is, your brain then starts to start rethinking it and going, hang on a minute. You're just not getting to go to Las Vegas, by the way. That's the problem. Um, to get married in uh, June. That's looking dicey. But it's totally out of your control. And you can get uppity and you can get the hump about it. But it's not going to change it. And so what it's done for me is really taught me to, to rethink everything if I don't get married this year we will get married next year I haven't lost my job I'm still being paid my mortgage is still there so you have to kind of rationalize the things that there's different boxes of seriousness of things to lose yeah um, and it's coping with those I guess exactly that and it's having that rational train of thought though they are you know clearly disappointing I mean to be planning a wedding and then have to delay it is, is not ideal, far from it. Um, you know, to, to be having a trip to Vegas is, you know, the canned is, you know, is not great. 
Mm. Um, but but the point is that it's it's not awful. No. Because because I mean again, you know, just to put it into context, there's a, there's a marvelous exercise. So um, so I'll 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 say to you, Steve, you know, um, how awful would it be if you have to delay your wedding until 2021 from a so zero is it's not awful at all to 10 it's really awful where would that sit um six six okay so 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 let's look at another scenario so um your your partner is in a, in a is in a, a very very serious road traffic accident she, she, she lives, but she's critically ill in hospital. Zero is it, it's not awful. 10 is it's awful. Where's that? 10. 10. So, so where now is the, <laughs> the wedding, you know? It bears you know, it's, insignificance. <laughs> yeah. So it's about reframing, you know, it's about, it's about comparison. But that's a really powerful way because I do, I use that as a tool for people who are seriously concerned. I go into businesses where, you know, there, there is redundancy going on. And for a lot of people, redundancy is terrifying. I know that, you know, I've been there. It's a terrifying thing, especially if you've been in, in an organization for a long time. And, you know, for a lot of people, redundancy is eight on that scale. Oh, it'd be an eight. And then you go through that scenario, you know, something horrendous, horrific, you know, and redundancy goes to one. Mm. And, and again, it's, 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 it's about reframing the thoughts that we have and taking that awfulizing element away. But the, but the other aspect of REBT is that it, it's, it can help people who are in trauma, who have had absolutely horrendous experiences, you know, people who've seen the most appalling things, you know, it, because what it does is it, it, it helps people to take the the negative emotions out of it or the the unhealthy negative emotions out of it and reapply healthy negative emotions and and by doing that you take the you take a lot of the pain out of it if that's a, if that makes sense so it, this is this is used in the most extreme cases of, of people who have had dreadful dreadful experiences and it's very effective um, you know, uh, and is used, you know, extensively in in therapy for people who have experienced trauma. But it can also be used for just the the day to day stuff in life mm. as effectively. It, the, the same principles apply. And if and if we all learn this before we went to secondary school, if every school in the land delivered this training in, we'd we'd come into the secondary system and then into the university system or into the job market so much better able to cope with life's adversity because life is generally filled with a mix of adversity and and opportunity and um, and, and we get tripped up by the adversity i think um anybody in a position of in leadership so whether whether you be a teacher or whether you be in management should have some coaching in this exact field really to be able to 
you teach children that things go wrong and things don't always work out exactly how you picture them in your mind. Um, but also when you're in the workplace of just being able to G somebody up and unlock their potential to be better at their job or to do presentations or I work for a company where I developed a huge fear of doing presentations before to a point where I felt like I just couldn't do them. Um, and the response from the management within that company was really negative. There was no, no train, there was no positive, no training. And it just, it spirals then just spirals into a, a sense that it's me as I, I can't do this and I'll never be able to do this. And, but I feel like if management had the skills to be able to just plant little seeds in the brain that you're capable of whatever you put your mind to do, everyone, there's so much more successful people. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, Steve. And what we're talking about is developing, helping people to develop their emotional intelligence. We all have that. We all have a degree of emotional intelligence. Um, and, but the, but the, the benchmark for most people is IQ, which we're aware of the intelligence quotient, but the emotional intelligence aspect is, is underplayed and, and emotional intelligence is, is a massively powerful tool. So people who have the ability to, read other people well, to be able to, um, to respond well to other people in, in, in line with that person's situation, uh, pe people who have social skills to be able to, uh, you know, manage situations. Um, it's incredibly powerful. And the, the amazing thing is that using the skills that we're talking about here, you can increase your emotional intelligence. We all have that ability to, to, be, to have a higher level of emotional intelligence, which then allows us to increase our performance. And, and when you look at people with high emotional intelligence, um, the leaders who can stay calm in a crisis, who know exactly the way that an individual would need to be treated, in a, in a given situation. I mean, it, it, you know, um, it, it, so I'm just thinking um, Alex Ferguson, I'm a big footy fan. Alex Ferguson had an amazing ability as a man manager that he knew with each of his players what each player would respond to. So some of them needed the hair, hair, the, the hair dryer treatment, as it was famously called, where he would, you know, scream and shout and ball them out. And then other players needed an arm around the shoulder and gentle encouragement and he knew instinctively how to draw the best out of each player because he had incredibly has incredibly high emotional intelligence mm. and he used it to his advantage and the player's advantage and of course became you know probably arguably one of the greatest managers football managers the world has ever seen so so emotional intelligence is such an important thing but undervalued a lot in, in business and under, undervalued a lot in society. So, you know, I think, it, again, what we do in mind fitness really is to help people to increase their emotional intelligence. And with that, you're increasing your psychological resilience. And with that, you're giving yourself the ability to reduce that uh, propensity to uh, buckle 
um, you know, and feel that element of unhealthy stress, you know, moving over the stress curve into the sort of chronic stress area. And, and everything just starts to fall into place. And as I say, you know, you, you, you give um, year six children some of those skills and you develop those skills through their secondary education. By the time they get to university, they are very resilient. They've got a very high level of emotional intelligence. And then you take those people out into the workplace and you've got, you know, you've, you've got the sort of incubator for management or whatever. And would we have the mental health crisis that we have in the developed world if we were doing that? Because we have a mental health crisis and, and we drive it as a society because we show young people, you know, body images of what good looks like. And so we're all going, oh my God, I don't have a six pack like that. Oh my God, look, my legs are fat, you know, my bum's too big or, you know, I'm not beautiful. I'm, I'm ugly compared to these people. And we show people what life should be like and look at the size of that person's house because we are a celebrity culture and, and the celebrities put this false image of, what their world is like really and we we aspire to it and our young people are aspiring to this and suddenly we're not good enough and we're rubbish and we're not pretty enough we're not good looking enough we're not smart enough we're not you know and and slowly we're going down that spiral of of um of negative self-talk and and it would just and that's why i do what i do and we do what we do because if i can if i can get one person to go oh blimey that's amazing yes i can use this you know it's the beginning of a journey that somebody's going on that means they don't have to feel that level of horrible negative stress they don't have to feel angry and upset and you know i'm not saying they're never going to feel emotion of course they are but they'll feel healthier negative emotions rather than unhealthy negative emotions yes something that i think steve and i are both very passionate about we've both been through various experiences of of that which have all been effectively self-inflicted i guess is probably the best way of putting it um and fortunate enough to through different mechanisms i suppose have found our way through it and because of that you know one of our our things around starting this and the pocket mastermind is about breaking cycles regardless of what that cycle is now whether you're just stuck and living from monday to friday waiting for the weekend dreading the week spend the whole weekend dreading monday coming back round, or whether you're in a criminal cycle or whatever that cycle is it starts with you know planting that seed that there is something else outside of the glass box that you're currently living in for whatever reason you got there and i think this align and this is why I, I i love this stuff so much is because this is kind of breaking that this is breaking cycles too right is everything is is that mental cycle and um i think I'm hugely supportive of of what you what you're doing and when i got introduced to you um through a mutual friend i immediately fascinated and and anything that we can do to help kind of get this message across because I, I do think i'll keep waving this thing around um but I think having a, having a handbook that people can turn to that can actually intervene and make a difference um, for the price of a book is incredibly powerful and incredibly valuable and probably the best 10, 12 pounds or whatever it was to 
to buy um, that, that people could probably spend at the minute. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that's it. And what we tried to do was consolidate um, the Mind Fitness um, program into, into a book form that, that took the reader through that logical path. You know, a lot of it is about understanding and just, you know, understanding the science bit without being overly, you know, without overly laboring it. Because I think, you know, it's quite difficult to learn about this um, without going down a sort of really dry academic route. And so what we tried to do was make it more accessible, um, but also just give people the resources. So there's a lot of stuff in Unlock You around source. So we've, we, it's, um, it's, it's an academic book in the sense that we've, we've, we've got, you know, very clear sources in there. So the references are all there to take people to academia if they if they want to go there so it's a great you know i think for some people they'll read it and they go yeah I, you know that so i might you know start to do some mindfulness or i might sort of start to get better at running an abc on this particular thing and and you know whereas other people will go down a, a very long life journey of of learning about more about this and and to you know to to really become masters almost at it um and for some people you know there'll be likely interested to move on and you know it's, it's whatever whatever whichever way works for you but what is great and i mean you know one of the things about the book um when we when we wrote it um we didn't kind of know we, we sort of had an idea in our head with the audience and the publisher quite late on said we think this is going to be a business book so that's what it is it's a it's it's catalogued as a business book um, and then, you know, it's also sold in countries that I'm staggered about, you know, so there's, it's had very good sales in Southeast Asia, for example, um, which is kind of a surprise, you know, it's sold incredibly well in Canada. Um, and, and so there, there've been quite a few surprises about where it's got traction, not because it's been promoted heavily in those areas, but because I guess, you know, people have stumbled upon it on Amazon or, you know, it's sold in local bookshops and that. And I guess it's just, it just speaks to a certain type of person who's looking for answers. So it, it's encouraging, you know, it's, it, it's, um, it's good that we've managed to scale it further because obviously our challenge is there's only a few of us. And so when you do live work or whatever, you're only ever going to get to a certain number of people. So then the book, Unlock You, has come out, and then we can get to a wider group of people. And then next week, we're launching Tembo, uh, Use Tembo, our, our app, which is specifically for the COVID-19 crisis. And that um, is free and as a resource that people can download and, and use, you know, from the get-go. And it will keep building. And mm -hmm. so, again, you know, we're, we're lucky to have a group of people of of similar mind who just say how can we how can we get this you know message out there how can we help people and now is the time because i think we are hurtling towards a mental health time bomb and anything that we can do to give people tools to help them through this and come out the other side i think is you know it's time very well spent definitely and um like i said before we'll we're, we're fully behind fully behind this and i think you know, one thing, that's, another thing that's great about this is that I think 
often on a subject like this you end up with loads of stuff to read and, and it's it's a good manageable size you know it's not three inches deep um, yeah it's something that's actually you can pick it up and you can follow it and you can you can go a chapter at a time and it's practical easily digestible advice and i think that's probably why it's taken off is word of mouth those kind of, i think these kind of books tend to get passed on as recommendations quite rapidly because it's written in english and, and easy to follow and implement yeah we, we've written it to be accessible you know it's as simple as that and we've written it in a certain tone that um you know ho hopefully what that people will find accessible you know it, it's, it's it's not too dry and we've tried to use practical examples and realistic life examples where we use them so and we've also tried to show that life can sometimes trip us up in the most banal situations you know it's missing that bus and it's raining and you know you 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 know you're in a terrible mood and everything goes wrong and you know your mind starts to to take you down that rabbit warren of you fool you idiot and you know you should have and you know so we've we're trying to use practical examples throughout the book that that i guess most of us will identify with i certainly do you know and to give so so it's not sort of it's not about massive issues it's not about you know it's not about the big things it's about the little things that trip us up and that make us get in our own way so and that's why it's kind of called unlock you because you know we will have the ability and and if you can find that key the the, the, the way of unlocking your potential <coughs> it's um <coughs> it's the beginning of a journey you know it's a it's a it's a it's a lifetime of that you know improvement if you like that's really good and i hope um I hope lots of people listening to this will would have gained something <coughs> a, from the conversation but also uh, look look a bit more into uh, mind fitness um, they can find you online uh, and also look into the book we'll have details how people can get in touch with you on our website as well both links to to mind fitness and also also to the book which is available on amazon and everywhere else um, is there any anything else you'd like to add before we um, we wrap up I just I, all I'd say really is you know these are very challenging times and I think it's such an important thing to be kind to ourselves and understand that we are going through um, difficult um, a difficult period and self-compassion you know stop stop the the, the, the self-deprecation um, you know help yourself yeah, and you know that that's a, a message i'd say loud and clear be kind let's all be kind to ourselves great message to end on. andy thank you very very much for your time um, thank and you. i'm sure we will uh, speak again in the not too distant future yeah it's been a pleasure thank you cheers